0: This morning will you join me in the book of Joshua. Book of Joshua this morning. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 1, uh, which is the first chapter, of course. And we're going to be in the last chapter of Joshua as well, which is chapter 24. So Joshua chapter 1 and Joshua 24. Now, if you're not sure where Joshua is, it's in your Old Testament. It is the sixth book of your Bible, right? After the book of Deuteronomy, we find the book of Joshua. So uh, let's start there in uh, chapter 1, but Mark... uh, Chapter 24, we're going to read from both of those uh, passages. Now, um, this passage in Joshua, I-, I thought was quite appropriate as we stand on the edge of a new year. Hmm. This is a-, a New Year's sermon for us, kind of a standalone here. And, and uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll be in the book of Romans. Well, the big dive into the book of Romans. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm slightly frightened. <laughs> it's a marvelous book. It is so important for the church. It is, it'll teach us about the gospel in marvelous ways. Um, but there's some tough passages in there too, right? And, and I have to like preach all those. So uh, pray for your pastor always. But it's so many wonderful things. In fact, I think I quote from Romans probably every sermon. I don't know. I'd have to pay attention. But there's always quotations from the book of Romans. Cause it, is, it is so marvelous. And we're going to be there a while. So settle on in. There's only 12 chapters, but it's thick and is really rich. Um, Lord willing, next week we will be there. But today, Joshua, as we begin the new year, um, chapter 1 and chapter 24. So if you'll stand with me this morning, out of reverence for God's word, and let us read our passage. So this is Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 1. It says After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, to the Hittite country and to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Then over in chapter 24, we're going to start at verse 14. Joshua 24, verse 14. It says, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers beyond serve beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my house, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And all God's people said, "Amen, amen." You may be seated. Now, as we begin, let me summarize what's happening and what's about to happen in here in the book of Joshua, and then we'll look at a few key points that will apply. Uh, to us as we begin this new year and will always. Okay, so if we go back into the book of Genesis, towards the end of the book of Genesis, if you haven't read Genesis, you've got to read Genesis. It helps you understand so much of the Bible, right? It's the beginning. It's the foundation. But we find Abraham and then his son Isaac and then Jacob, and Jacob's name was later changed to Israel, right? That's the nation of Israel, and he had 12 sons, and each one of his sons became one of the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, Father Jacob... He had his 12 boys. That's a lot of boys. And he had girls, too. He had a lot of kids. And they got married, and they had kids, and they had kids. And at this point uh, that I'm referring to, there are 70 people in his family. The nation of Israel has 70 people in it. Imagine Thanksgiving, right? These are big families. And, uh, but they have to escape. They have to escape where they're living because a famine has come upon the land, and they're going to die. There's nothing to eat. So they flee down to Egypt. The Nile is always pretty... Pretty good at producing things, and, uh, but there's a, a famine down there too. But they find sanctuary in Egypt, and they live. Why? Because God had a plan, and his name was Joseph. And check it out. He was the second to the last uh, youngest boy of Jacob. The youngest was little Benjamin, but the second to the youngest is Joseph, and his other brothers didn't like him, and they sold him as a slave. Imagine selling your baby brother. They sold him to a caravan heading to Egypt, get out of here with this kid. They were going to kill him, they're like, nah, we'll be nice, we'll just sell him. Good brothers, the patriarchs of the faith. <laughs> so off he goes. Well, he, years and years and years, he grows up down there, he's a slave, he works hard, he has all kinds of trials and struggles, but you know what? Eventually God had a plan, and he's now second under Pharaoh, <laughs> saving everybody with the, the wisdom that God had given him during the seven years of drought or, 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 or Great harvest and in seven years with the drought and the famine and all of that. Okay, you got to read the book of Genesis. If you don't understand all of this, go read it, definitely. So, they found sanctuary in Egypt. Israel lived in Egypt for 400 years. That's a couple years. 400 years. They grew from 70 people to over 2 million people. In 400 years, they were very prosperous. In fact, they were so numerous that the Egyptians were all freaked out, and they're like, these people are going to attack us and kill us or something, so let's enslave them. They made them slaves, so Israel was a slave nation. This is their history. Read the book of Exodus. It's all about this. Well, there they were as slaves, crying out to God, and God heard their cries. He'd been waiting for the perfect timing, and he sent a guy down named... Moses, somebody said it there. Moses, old Mo, (laughs) let my people go. He has to command to Pharaoh and all the tainted plagues and all of that. Read the book of Exodus if you don't know this. Well, God brings Israel out of slavery with his mighty hand. He smashes, just summarize, he smashes the superpower of the world. And by the way, all the world was watching. That known world at that time right there, they were all watching God smash. The God of Israel smash the superpower Egypt. He's making his name famous. Well, Israel comes out of slavery and how they belong to God. And God's going to take them to a sweet place. He says it's flowing with milk and honey. Not literally, but it's a great, wonderful, prosperous land, the land of Canaan. I got a home for you. It's going to be amazing. He brings them out. They travel for a little bit over across the desert. And then, well, Israel is rebellious along the way. And then they get to the edge of the promised land and they say, We don't want to go in. We're afraid of the Canaanites in there, and we're not going. And so God said, Okay. <laughs> now you get to spend your wheels for 40 years in the desert. The Sinai Peninsula, uh, if you know where that is, is a big barren wasteland. 40 years. And God was waiting for that older generation who didn't want to go in to die. And when they all died off, then he'll bring the younger generation, and now it's all grown up, into the promised land. Okay? You, see, God gives you what you want you really want him, you'll get him. you want the promised land, you're going to get it. If you don't want it, well, off you go to the desert. How many people have been brought near to Christ, near to faith, but said no? Off to the desert. Off to the wasteland. Hmm. Well, after 40 years, Moses had been the servant of God all this time. So faithful. What a man, what a man. He's 120 years old and he dies, okay? It's time. He had a good run. Moses is out of here. Now the role of leadership of God's people is falling to Moses' right-hand man, Joshua, right here. That's the book of Joshua. He's called his aide. Joshua served as Moses' right-hand man for 40 years. He was groomed for this position, I mean, no better schooling than under Moses out there in the desert with God working with the people. So he's ready, I think. I don't know if he thinks he's ready, but now it's his turn. He's up to bat. <laughs> Joshua is tasked. The will of God for Joshua is to take the nation of over two million people and bring them into the promised land. Hmm. Joshua has big shoes to fill. Right? But in Joshua, we see Jesus. It's pretty neat. There's figures of the Old Testament that are we call Christ figures. Moses was a Christ figure, What did he do? He took the people out of slavery and brought them to God. Well, that's what Jesus does. He takes us out of slavery to sin and darkness, and he brings us to God by his shed blood and resurrection power. So in Moses, we see Jesus, and in Joshua, we see Jesus as well. In fact, their very names are even the same. I don't know if you knew that or not, but Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua. Yeshua. Yeshua translated from Hebrew into English is Joshua. Joshua. Why do we have Jesus? Well, because our New Testaments are in Greek. In Greek, into English, it comes out Jesus. Don't know why. I'm not a linguist, but that's what I read over and over again. Okay? So they share the same name. Yeshua is Joshua, and through the Greek it becomes Jesus. But it's more than that. They just share the same name. What did Joshua do? Well, he took the people of God and brought them into the promised land. A wonderful rich land of blessing. And eventually it became a land of peace and rest, at least for a little bit. It was a home, a wonderful home for God's people. Oh, if they'd only obeyed, (laughs) but they didn't. But for a while, it was a wonderful home for God's people. And so we find that our Joshua, our Yeshua, the Lord Jesus, he takes us from the slavery of sin and brings us into the promised land of God's love and peace and rest. The forgiveness of all our sins. Okay, salvation is the promised land. Mm, Indeed. And just as Joshua is going to go into the promised land and have to fight off many Canaanites and there'll be many battles, so you and I, when we come to faith in Jesus, oh, the battle begins. But we're in the love of God. It's going to be okay. We will be victorious as we stay close to Jesus. But there's even more than that. Salvation is the promised land, but you know, there's still even another promised land because this world isn't our home. We're just passing through. It's heaven. Heaven is the promised land. And our Yeshua, our Joshua, will be the only one who can take us there. <laughs> Nobody else can do that. And then it will be a perfect home for God's people with God forever. The perfect promised land. The re- Jesus is the rest that Joshua could really never quite give them. He is the Sabbath rest for God's people now and for all eternity yeah now our passage here in joshua 1 we see joshua standing on the edge of a new season in life he's on the edge of a new responsibility he's got to fill moses's sandals how do you do that right well that's not the way moses did it i know but i'm trying two million people looking at him okay boss what's next right That's a little bit of pressure. And he had to lead them in the promised land. Now, it's not like they just went over the Jordan and they're like, hey, let's all relax here. It's all flowing, milk and honey is great. No, there's all these nasty people called Canaanites living there. And what he had to do was wage war for years and years. All the days of his life, he would wage war against these wicked and wretched individuals, these Canaanites. Hmm. Understand? These people were hideous. They had reached such a point, they were a Sodom and Gomorrah, if you will. They were sacrificing their babies in the fire of Molech to this false god. They were practicing bestiality and every wickedness that you could think of. They were the Sodom and Gomorrah of that area. And Joshua and the Israelites are God's fire and brimstone. Mm. And they're going to take them out. And that was the command of God. They were being judged for their wickedness in Israel and Joshua were the judgment of God upon them. Well, the first battle was going to come when they crossed the Jordan, which was at flood stage, and God would have to part the waters. And then there's Jericho. You might have heard of the story: big walls, all of that kind of stuff. They're on the edge of battle. Hmm. A lot of uncertainty. I imagine Joshua was really scared. Now he's going to hear from God, and that which is uncertain will become certain to him when he hears from the Lord. And we need to hear from God too. And here we are on the edge of a new year, 2021. You're going to have new responsibilities this year. You'll have a new season of life. And there's a whole lot of uncertainties. What will it be like? I mean, 2021 or 2020 was a peach of a year, right? COVID, that like where did where did this come I didn't see this coming. God did. But here it is. We're still we're still not over it. All well, the racial riots and the chaos and the death and the anger and the hatred in our nation and a divided nation and an election and all. We're not even done with that, right? It's still lingering and there's fires and floods in our nation and all these things. And some of you had family problems and struggles and some of many people, in fact, in our little congregation, a whole lot of people over the last couple of months have had lost loved ones in our little little congregation. And there's been many struggles in this year. But there were a lot of blessings too, right? As the old song says, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings to see what God has done. Start paying attention and you're like, hey, look at that. And here's one of the biggest blessings. You know, in our congregation, people came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in 2020, right? (laughs) Uh -uh. Some people, they'd be like, you know, that was my greatest year. Because I found Jesus with all my heart. And he washed my sins away. Right. Some people fell in love. Some people got married this year. Hmm. I don't know if we we didn't really have any babies born in this congregation, but one was conceived, and we're waiting for the baby to come. We're praying for that little one. Blessings, blessings. They're there. Hmm. We loved God, and God loved us in 2020. Right. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Many blessings. You know, 2021 might be a better year. Let's pray. But it might be worse. Just prepare yourself. I mean, what do we know? Right? It could be literally a much worse year. (laughs) It, It could be the same. Could be way better. We can't see our future. But we can see Jesus. He knows it all, right? You can't see the future. I cannot see it, but we can see Jesus. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we can see God in the face of Jesus. And so, as we sang about faith, the Bible tells us we're to walk by faith and not by sight. Because we, well, we can see. I don't know. I can't see anything. I can't, I can't tell you what tomorrow's going to be like. So we walk by faith. That means you trust God today. And tomorrow, and the next moment, and the next, even when you cannot see, no matter the situation, you just keep trusting. So Joshua needed to walk by faith and trust God, and oh, so do we. See, life is so uncertain. In fact, the only thing certain about life is that it's changing. <laughs> it's always changing. But God is not. God is not changing. He is not uncertain. <laughs> Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today. And forever, right? Hold on to his promises. What he says in the Bible, it's not going to (laughs) change. Hold on to his truth. You can trust him. Don't trust this world, but trust God. Well, Joshua needed to learn these lessons, and so do we. Let's go in our passage here, chapter 1 of Joshua. Let's start down in verse 5. The the second half, 5b, second verse there, second sentence, rather. Of Verse 5, God is speaking to Joshua and he says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Hmm. He's scared to death. He's on the edge of all of this, leading the people, and God's like, I'm going to be with you. Just like old Mo, I'm never leaving you, I'm never going to forsake you. Oh, and a calm and a peace must have come upon him, right? Well, this is also true for the Church. And we've got to be careful, when you read the Old Testament, you can't take every promise and take it and say, that's for me, just because we have to look at the context, right? And um, not everything for, that was promised in the Old Covenant uh, transfers over to the New. I mean, he was getting ready to wage war against the Canaanites, you know, you don't need to take up a sword and start killing anybody that you find that you think is a Canaanite, right? Not everything <laughs> applies, however, some things certainly do. And we really know they do, and we see them echoed in the New Testament, He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That might sound familiar to some of you. And some of you, maybe you didn't read it in the Old Testament. It's also mentioned in Deuteronomy to Joshua. But to the church, it is given in the book of Hebrews. Let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 13. You might want to jot this down for your notes. Hebrews 13, starting in verse 5. And by the way, this is to be our New Year's resolution, I believe. I don't know if you do that kind of stuff. I don't necessarily. But hey, if it's good stuff, then... Make a resolution. But here we go. Here's your New Year's resolution. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? Because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. It's interesting. We often quote that. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And and we just leave that alone. And that's good. That's great. But if you read the whole thing, he's actually saying, you don't have to trust in money. You don't have to love it. You can be content with what you have. Why? Because God is with you. Right? And he's more than enough. He's more than money. He's more than anything else. So as Christians, we've got to keep our lives free from that lust and that love of money and things and stuff. And be content with what God has given us. Godliness with contentment, the Bible says, is great gain, because God is with us. He'll never leave us. He's more than enough. He'll never forsake us. You have all you need in Jesus. Look at verse 6. He goes on, So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Right? We don't have to be afraid. What can man or anything else, a situation, do to you? Because God is with you. He is your helper. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hmm. So come on, 2020, or 2021, I should say. (laughs) Come on, life, or death, or angels, or demons, or sickness, or health, or good, or bad. Bring it on, because Jesus is with me, and I'm going to be just fine. Romans, I'm going to quote from Romans. Romans. Chapter 8, you might want to jot this down for your notes. I think you need this verse as well. Romans 8, starting in verse 38. The Apostle Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So no matter what the world throws at us and brings to us in this next year for the rest of our lives, nothing can separate us from the love of God, not angels nor demons, not life nor death, not pain nor suffering or persecution or a horrible government or whatever, right? Nothing can separate us from the love of God through Jesus. How many brothers and sisters throughout the ages have been burnt at the stake, have been persecuted and beaten and imprisoned because they love Christ but they could never be separated from God's love, right? No one can take our Jesus away from us. Hmm. They could take everything else, okay, but I got Jesus, it's gonna be okay. He's all I need. Hmm. And this life isn't all there is. There's another one coming, right? (laughs) where all the treasure really is going to be hiding out. Right now, it's hiding. It'll be revealed that day we enter into it. Well, back in Joshua, verse 6, he says to him, God says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. He's upping, upping it there. Two times here he says, be, Joshua, be strong and courageous. In fact, be very courageous, uh why why does God repeat himself cuz we need to listen up right i think you know you tell your kids just once right no sometimes you repeat why cuz you really want them to get it huh. i think God wants us to get some things so he repeats himself all throughout the scripture and as a pastor i probably repeat myself many times hmm, probably cuz i just forgot that i said that or whatever but anyway it's probably good though repetition is good so God is repeating himself Because understand, Joshua's scared. He's a man. He's weak. He's got so much responsibility on his shoulders. He's probably shaking in his sandals, and God is like, Be strong, Joshua. Be courageous, very courageous, because I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's for the church as well, to be strong and courageous with God and for God. Joshua was a servant of God. We are servants of Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. Did you know that? <laughs> we serve Almighty, the King, the Master. He tells us as well be strong, be strong, be courageous. But in this life, we cannot just muster it up ourselves. Some people who try to be strong in and of themselves, well, they wear out and they fall down and they fail. So there's a key to this being strong business. Let me read it to you. It comes from the New Testament because the New Testament tells us to be strong as well. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 6. Again, for your notes, you might want to jot this down. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Don't just suck it up and be like, I'm going to be strong and courageous. (laughs) Oh, you can try that, but you're going to wear out but we're to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not ours, right? So what it means, it's about dependency. Hmm. It's about humility before God every day depending, every day trusting, every day living in faith, every day praying, every day, I need you, Jesus. Help me here. Help me there. And then we have the mighty power. Hmm. When we are weak, the Bible says, then we can become strong through the power of God. Let me read just a little more because it's an awesome passage. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Notice the devil's schemes. It's a spiritual battle that we are in every day. Just as Joshua entered the promised land, there's a lot of battles. Well, our first stage of the promised land and faith in Christ, there are battles every day. And he goes on, for our struggle is not against against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's a spiritual battle. Our battle is not against people, though that's hard to get sometimes. Because the devil, no doubt, is using people hmm, to do bad things, right? With that guy at work, or this person, or the situation is horrible and messed up, sure, they might be influenced by the devil, but our battle is not really in the flesh. The battle is spiritual, it's the, the forces behind the flesh that are, we're battling with. And so we must learn how to pray and trust and live in the mighty power of God every day. Strong and courageous. Yeah. Dependence. Humility. Let's read on a little bit there in Joshua. Continue on with verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. And he says, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful. I'm sorry so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Hmm. Notice, it speaks of prosperity and success. Well, if I was a Southern prosperity preacher on TV, I would say, there it is, peoples. God wants you rich. God wants you healthy. Well, that's not Southern, but somehow I would, Southern, are they always Southern? I don't know, but anyway, maybe some aren't. Now, T.D. Jakes isn't, but he's a prosperity preacher, but anyway. They would use these types of things. God, he wants you happy and healthy and strong. He's, you're going to be, your business is going to be, ooh, and you're going to make all this money. That's what God says right here. That's not what God is saying to Joshua, is it? Joshua, your business is going to be great and you're going to be really wealthy. No. What it, well, what's his business? Killing Canaanites. <laughs> He's going to be real successful at destroying the Canaanites because that is the will of God for his life. And success for Joshua in doing the will of God was hinging upon his knowing and obeying the word of God. Let me say that again. His success in doing the will of God was hinged upon his knowing and obeying the Bible. Hmm. And the same is true for us. Now for Joshua, what was the Bible at that time? Well, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The stuff Moses wrote, that's what he had. That was his Bible. That was the law of God, and he needed to cling to it. Now, it's interesting, Joshua was not new to the law. He'd been obeying it for 40 years with Moses out in the desert and all the people. Hmm. But then what does God say? Well, you already know the law, so whatever, you know, you're fine. No, he says you need to stick with it. You need to read it day and night, meditate on it, let it never leave your mouth. Do not turn to the left, do not turn to the right, stick with it. And then you'll be able to do the will of God, Joshua. Hmm. Some people say, well, I read the Bible. I'm good. I know. I know stuff. I'm good. I don't need to read it every day. I don't need to go to church all the time and hear sermons from the Bible. Well, God would uh, disagree because he told a guy who knew the law for 40 years to stick with it, press in, never let it go. Always be in the word of God. Hmm. Same with us. Same with us. He says, uh, do not let it depart from your mouth. What do you think that means? Well, I think in those days, they didn't each have their own individual Bible like we do. We're so blessed. They had a big scroll, right? <laughs> and uh, they read it on the Sabbath or whatever. They might have had little, little parts written down. But I think they memorized it. In fact, I know that in Jesus' day, the little boys went to school when they were like five, six years old. They went to the school. They called it the school of the book. And this was far b- before then. The little boys, their first education and their only education most of the time was the Bible. And they would memorize the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Can you imagine? We're not teaching our kids enough scripture, I think. They memorized the first five books. Of course, that was their only textbook that they had. And the best one, of course. So I think that, that, that Joshua had it memorized. He had it in his mouth and he could give it out to the people of God to instruct them and guide them. We wanted it in our hearts now, it also says to, to meditate on it, right? Meditate on it day and night. Always be in the Bible. Always be in the Bible. What does it mean to meditate on the scriptures? Well, this isn't Zen Buddhism. It's not crossing your leg and saying one strange word over and over again until you're numb in the brain and, and you can't think, right? In fact, when you do that, you open yourselves up to demonic problems. Absolutely. The Bible calls us to think <laughs> and use the brain God gave us and think on the Word of God. That's what meditation in the Scripture is, to think on the Word of God, read it, pray over it, pray it into your life, memorize it, spend time with it, think about it deeply, talk about it. And it says, be careful to do what it says. That's what he says. Be careful to obey the law, right? Hmm. We have to be careful Christians. Hmm. careful with the word, careful with our faith, careful with our lives. So many Christians are careless Christians. They don't really know the word of God and they don't really spend much time with it and they're careless with their faith, but their mouths will reveal that. Their lives will reveal that. And we see careless Christians all the time. Verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Here it is. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Hmm. Keep God's truth right in front of you. Can you picture that? Right in front of you. And you don't look to the right, you don't look to the left. The New Testament says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Look at Christ, look at his truth, look at the things of God, and don't look at the world over here or the world over here. Hmm. And the world is always calling to us, isn't it? Yeah. It's always calling to us. But if you start looking to the right and to the left, you'll get off track and you'll wander, you'll wander from God. You'll wander from the truth. Hmm. you wander long enough and you might not ever come back. Some wander and then they come back, but some, some don't. It's a dangerous thing to wander. The Bible speaks of people ship. Wrecking their faith. Piercing themselves with many griefs as they run after money and pride and pleasure and selfishness. Because they didn't fix their eyes on Jesus. Now I think those who do wander away that God is so faithful, he's always banging on the door of their heart saying, Come on, wake up! Right? (laughs) But people can callous their souls and hearts towards God until they don't hear his voice. How dangerous is that? Keep praying for those prodigals, right? Keep praying. And the Bible says in the prodigal son's story that that son had to come to his senses and run back to the father. Keep praying that they'll come to their senses. Yeah. But remember that promise, I will never leave you or forsake you? That is belonging to those who are followers of Christ. That isn't a promise for just Anybody? It's a promise for those who follow Jesus. So if you wander away and stop following Jesus, that is not a promise for you. You cannot be living like a pagan out there and be like, oh, God is with me, everything's fine. The devil would like to convince you of that. And Israel is a great picture of that. God said, I'm with you. I am your God and you are my people. But when they ran away after false gods, was God always still with them? He clearly was not as he let the Babylonians take him out and carry him off to captivity and all these things, he did let go. And yet he kept a remnant and he kept after him and he restored over time. So God is good, but let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Not, let us not go to that risky place of wandering. And if you have been wandering and you've been hearing the knock on your heart, then come on home, okay? Don't waste time we'll run back to Jesus with all your heart. So the Bible tells us here, if we fix our eyes on Jesus, if we're careful to obey his word, we will be successful and we will prosper at doing the will of God in our life. Right? What's the will of God? To love him, love, love other people, bring people to Jesus, right? And to live a holy life that he wants us to live. I want to succeed at that. Yeah. Verse 9. I highlighted this and underlined it in my Bible. I think it's on the wall. Joshua 1 9, right there. God says, Have I not commanded you? Didn't I just command you twice already? Like a couple sentences ago? (laughs) God's like, Haven't I commanded you? Maybe he was still shaking in his sandals when he was talking. He says, Be strong and courageous. (laughs) Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hmm. Notice it's a command to be strong and courageous. It's not like a suggestion. God doesn't really do that. (laughs) He commands things. Hmm. Be strong and be courageous. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ. Who gives me strength, right? Mm -hmm. He is our strength. He is our courage. And we need a lot of strength every day. Sometimes just to get out of bed, right? Just to start the day. Many times have I prayed as the alarm was going off, Oh, Lord, help me get out of bed. Give me strength. Lord, help me feed my family today, And we need much courage to honor God in a godless world because they don't love him and they don't want him and they don't want us to talk about him. We need the courage with Jesus and for Jesus. Notice the command to not be terrified. Hmm. Do you struggle with fear? Every once in a while, the fear sinks in, doesn't it? Hmm. I wonder when Joshua saw the walls of Jericho, if the fear didn't start to sink in and he heard the voice of God say, I command you, don't be terrified. You read about it, God totally whooped them. I mean, what did they do, right? They just marched around and stuff and God tore the walls down. God will fight our battles, but we gotta be faithful. Do you struggle with fear? Some do, some don't as much. I, I remember one time I was fasting coffee in the chemical change in my body, right? Because there's a thing. And I struggled with fear. It was really weird. For like a week. Abnormal. I know the devil's pressing on me. I don't know. If it was, I, maybe it's a cock. I don't know. But all I know is I literally struggled with fear in a strange abnormal way for a week. And it, but you know what? It gave me some insight because I know many brothers and sisters struggle with this. and began to have more compassion for that. I got back on coffee and apparently went away. I don't know, or I prayed more, or something. So, when the fear starts to come in, reject it in the name of Jesus. You don't have to be afraid because God is with you wherever you go, He will not leave you and He will not forsake you. He's more than enough. So, all can be lost but you haven't lost Jesus so you're going to be okay. We walk by faith, not by sight. Notice the other command not to be discouraged. Hmm. Discouragement is I've heard it said is one of the devil's greatest weapons. Hmm. Cuz if he can get a believer discouraged, boy, we become pretty useless, don't we? We throw in the towel. You know what that means, right? Some of you it's a boxing thing. And when you're getting pummeled and beat up and your corner's like, he's had it, and they just throw in a little white towel and you're like, I guess I have to stop getting beat up now, right? They throw, you give up. So that's what, when we get discouraged, we give up. We throw in the towel. We stop trying. We stop caring. We stop trusting God. Boy, we fall into the devil's trap. Are you feeling discouraged? Do you struggle with discouragement? Hmm. Pray about that, right? Seek the Lord. He commands us to not be discouraged, but put all our hope in Jesus. Always remember to whom you belong. I think that's the key. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a repentant, surrendered lover of Jesus, you belong to God. You were bought at a price, the precious blood of Jesus. Hmm. Is God ever defeated? No. And you are his possession. Are you ever defeated? Uh You cannot be. Oh, you can lose everything. Well, whatever. You have all you need in Jesus. You can never be defeated. I would just say it's just a win-win with Jesus. It is. No matter the tragedy, no matter the struggle. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hmm. And our last verse, and we'll close in Joshua 24. Verse 14, as we read, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods. Notice that throw them away. Your forefathers worshiped beyond the river and in Egypt and served the Lord. Joshua is 110 right now. He's at the e- end of his life. We began at the beginning of his, his uh, leadership of Israel. Now he's led them for all these years, all these battles. Most of the promised land has been taken, not all of it and the people are still holding on to idols, like literal pieces of wood covered in gold that they're somehow worshiping that came from their forefathers. And he said, throw them away. Verse 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. He's like, you've got to make a choice, people. Either the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living But then he says this at 110, right before he dies, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Mm. Highlight that in your Bibles. Highlight it in your heart. You're a mom or a dad, right? Or a new married couple, no children yet? Or even a single person. As for me and my house, we will serve Jesus. That means all who live in your house, they come to church. We're going to worship God together. There's no options. We serve and love Jesus. That's simply what we're going to do. But what if you're the only one in your home that loves Jesus? And some are in that situation. That's okay. You say, as for me, in my home, I will serve Jesus. Even if my husband or my wife or my children do not follow, I will follow Jesus. So we have to make a choice. Whom will we serve? The false gods of this world? Or will we serve Christ? So let's renew that covenant today. As we begin this new year, let us pray. Let us declare this before God. Let us declare it in our homes. Declare it over your kids. So Father, here we are on the edge of a new year, and we do not know what is going to happen. Last year had a lot of problems, Lord. We're still lingering in those. Lord, we pray your blessing upon this year. We ask for the touch of Jesus upon our lives, our homes, our families, our land, our country. We pray for salvation to come in 2021 that's never been seen, Lord. We pray for a revival to move Start in Red Bluff, a funny little town nobody ever heard of, Lord. Start right here, move across our, our broken country, full of wickedness and sin. We've forsaken you. Forgive us, Lord. Have mercy. And we do pray for your touch and your blessing. But then we don't know what will happen, Lord. Maybe our government will fall apart, maybe the church will be persecuted, maybe we'll be sick and dying and this and that. I don't know. But Lord, we trust you. We choose now, today, to walk by faith and trust Jesus. Because you have told us you will never leave us and you'll never forsake us. And you're with us wherever we go as we're followers of you, Lord. Lord, we pray for those who have turned to the left or to the right away from you, that you would bring them home. Oh merciful God. Have mercy on those whom we love, who have wandered from the faith. We pray you do all within your mighty power to bring them back. And you don't override a person's will. We know that, Lord. But let them see Jesus everywhere they turn. And at night when they dream. Let them see their sin. Let them see the Father's house. Let them come to their senses, we pray. Lord, let us be strong. and Let us be courageous. I pray for those who struggle with fear, your people who struggle with that. When it creeps in, let them sense that and let them hear the voice of Jesus and the command to not be terrified, but to trust and to have courage in the mighty power of God. Oh, Lord, bless your people who struggle with fear. Let them have victory over that. Increase their faith and increase their courage. All of us we pray, Lord, yeah. Lord, let us love the word of God and not turn to the left or to the right. Let us learn to meditate on it and be in your, your church and be in the word of God and be in prayer more and more and more, Lord. Let it never depart from our mouth. And Lord, we declare over this church, this house of God here and those families and people attached to it That as for me in this house, Lord, we will serve you as the family of God. And Lord, let your people declare it in their own families and their own hearts, and let us throw away any false gods and serve you with all that we have and all that we are. Thank you, Lord, for your power and your love and your faithfulness to us who struggle. Thank you. In Christ we pray. Amen.